Hello, and welcome to Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. Today we continue in our series called The Life You Were Meant to Live. In this series, Pastor Rick looks into the Bible to help you discover the life God planned for you, the life you were meant to live. In just a few moments, we're going to tell you about a life-changing tool that will show you how to re-energize your spiritual life in ways you may have never dreamed possible. To find out more, go to PastorRick.com right now while you listen to today's broadcast. Or just text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. Right now, here's Pastor Rick Warren with part one of a message called Slowing Down. This week I received a little mailer in, in uh, the mail, which is where you normally receive mailers. <laughs> and it was an ad for the delivery of home groceries. And what it was warmly addressed to time-pressed family. Well, now folks, it's obvious that the pace of life is getting faster and faster. Would you agree with that? All you have to do is get on the freeway to figure out real quickly that a lot of people are willing to risk life and limb just to save a few precious seconds. Everybody's in a hurry. And everybody is multitasking today. I read this week that the sale of frozen juices, orange juice and stuff like that, is declining because people don't want to wait for it to thaw out. Serious, that they're now bar, uh, you know, buying the, uh, the pre-mixed juice instead because uh, they don't want to wait to have to mix it and stuff. They just want it instantly. Yesterday I read from a USA Today article, today people are souped up, stressed out, and overscheduled. In this brave new world, boundaries between work and family are disappearing. Everyone is mobile, and every moment of the day is scheduled. With daycare, school, after-school activities, and 10 to 12-hour workdays. This pressure cooker lifestyle is so rare that anthropologists are now studying it to see how it will affect us. Well, they don't, I can tell them in advance. The Bible is very clear about how hurry and busyness and a frantic pace affects your life. I've written four of the results there on your outline. Tom's going to come and talk about that. We all know what happens to us when, we get hurt, when life goes faster and faster, but if you're like me, you don't take time to think about it because life is going faster and faster. So let's take just a minute this morning to think about what are the effects of a hurried lifestyle? What does it do to us? Number one, when I get more and more hurried, I feel more stress. I feel the stress in my life in a greater and greater way. It's not just accepted anymore that we have stress. It is something more and more that is becoming something we feel and that we know it's not supposed to be this way. I wasn't made to live this way. One of the reasons we feel more and more stress when we get more and more hurried is this, ver this verse from Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 6. I had no time to care for myself. When you don't even have any time to care for yourself, the things that are going on in your life, in your home, of course the stress piles up. As the schedule fills up, the dishes pile up. And the only time your car gets washed is when it's raining, that kind of a thing in life. And so, of course, you're more and more stressed in life because of the hurry of life. When life gets hurried, I also lose my joy. Joy just goes right out the window. The faster you move in life, the less time you have to enjoy the life that God has given to you. Look at this verse from the book of Job. See if you can relate to this. My days go by faster than a runner. They fly away without my seeing any joy. 
When was the last time you felt genuine joy in your life? Sometimes we're running so fast we can't, we can't feel it. Sometimes we're so serious about life we don't take time to feel the joy. I know some people say things like, well, we shouldn't rest. The devil never takes time to rest. Since when was the devil your model anyway? God took time to rest. God took time to enjoy what he'd made, and he teaches us to enjoy the things that he's made. When I get too hurried in life, believe it or not, I am less productive. This might be a surprise to some of you. You think the faster I go, the more I get done, but the truth is, the faster you go, the less productive you become. All creative people know this, that if you run too fast, it's the law of diminishing returns. You can't think anymore. You can't create anymore. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5 says, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. You ever feel like that? The faster I go, the further behind I get. That's, many of us feel that way in life because of the hurry that's a part of our lives. God didn't make you to be the energizer bunny where you keep on going and going and going. He made you to be the kind of person who needs that recharging time in life. You cannot keep charging without recharging. You need the times of life to say, I need to get creative again. I, I need to rest again. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2 says, a person in a hurry makes mistakes. You find yourself making more and more mistakes? You're being less and less productive, it's because you're in, in a hurry. What happens when we're too hurried? Number four, I can't hear God. I just can't hear God. Would you read with me Psalm chapter 46, verse 10? Let's read that verse together. Just wait a minute. <laughs> Let's just slow down for a minute here. Not rush into this. Take a moment and read this slowly. Be still and know that I am God. When was the last time you took time to do that? Just to be still. You see, sometimes God's trying to get a message through to us, but all the circuits are busy, and we can't hear it. When was the last time you took time to be still so God could tell you what he really wants to tell you? I love you. I care about you. I heard about what you're going through. I have a plan for this situation. Sometimes we're so busy, we can't hear the most important thing to hear in life. And so, because of these effects that stress has on us, and because all of us have felt these things, every one of us in this room, we're going to take some time together to look at how do you, how do you slow down? How do you start slowing your pace? In your, in your outline, would you circle the word start? We're just going to get a start today. We're going to look at four starter principles for slowing down in life. We're going to hear a dramatic story of someone who slowed down in life and the reasons for that and the impact of that on their life. We're going to talk together about, during this series, how can you and I begin to have a dramatic life change of beginning to slow down. And we're going to talk today about four principles that spell out the word slow. As Tom said, these are starter steps. There's a whole lot more to say about this, and we're going to cover it in detail in the weeks ahead. But let's get started with these first starter steps. The S in slow stands for stop the constant push for more. Stop the constant push for more. Now, if you are serious about bringing balance and health to your lifestyle, you're going to have to deal honestly with your motivations and your values. You're going to have to take an internal look at what drives you. What motivates you? 
Because everything else is superficial until you deal with your motives and your values. You stop the constant push for more. What is it that drives you to keep pushing for more? Why must you always have more achievement in your career, more money in your bank, more activities in your schedule, more experiences and thrills and pleasures? What is it that drives you to have more, more, and more? You need to ask that question. Now, what we're talking about here is ambition. And there's nothing wrong with ambition. Ambition is a good thing. It's how everything gets done in the world. Everything, whether good or bad, had somebody with some ambition behind it. And God gives you ambition. God wires you up to be ambitious in certain areas. But not all ambition is good. And ambition out of control. Ambition without boundaries. Ambition for the wrong motivations or values is probably the most destructive thing in the universe. It destroys lives, it destroys families, it destroys marriages, it can destroy countries when a dictator becomes overly ambitious. Not everybody who is a high achiever should be admired. They may be achieving for all kinds of unhealthy or wrong motives. Ambition can be driven by guilt. Ambition can be driven by resentment. Ambition can be driven by fear. Ambition can be driven by revenge. It can be driven by ego. It can be driven by pride. It can be driven by, well, I'll show them. I'm going to show my parents. I'm going to show that teacher who said I'd never amount to anything. I'm going to show my brother and sister. It can be driven by anger. Not all ambition is good. Now, I've been a pastor here at Saddleback for 20 years. I've talked to thousands of people, and I've discovered that the primary motivation between high, behind high achievers is insecurity. Insecurity. High achievers are often the most insecure people. We want to prove ourselves. We want people to love us. We think if we just do a certain amount of work, if we work harder, if we achieve more, if we get more in the bank account, then everybody will like me and love me. And we try to prove our worth by what we do. Now, if you don't get anything else I say, get this today. As long as you confuse your worth with your work, you're going to be stressed out. As long as you confuse your worth and your work, which have nothing to do with each other, you are worthwhile because God made you, Jesus loves you, and he died for you. And you are, and you are valuable as a very human being. But when you confuse worth and work, you'll always be trying to do more, always trying to prove more, always be in a hurry, always being frantic, always trying to, never satisfied. You see, the starting point in slowing down the pace of your life is to not clear your schedule. That's a, that's a superficial band-aid approach because you can always find replacement activities very quickly. You could go home today and clear the decks for the next three months. I'm just gonna clear all the activities. And they would fill up very, very quickly again. It'll come right back in because you haven't dealt with the root issue of why are you so driven? Why do you take on more than you really need to take on in life? More business, more clients, more whatever. Why do you do that? When it's you know, harming you emotionally and physically and spiritually and all these other ways. 
The starting point to getting balance in your life is not to clear the decks. The starting point is to become content with who you are and what you have. And until you do that, become content with who you are and what you have, you will always be driven to take on more. So you have to stop that constant push. Notice what the Bible says. In the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes 4, 6, it is better to have only a little with peace of mind than to be busy all the time. You need to ask yourself a very frank question. Will having more make me more happy? Will doing more make me more happy? Will having more activities make me more happy? And the answer is no, it will not. If you are not happy with what you have today, you're not going to be happy with what you get tomorrow because today you're not happy with what you were striving for yesterday. Boy, that's deep. <laughs> if you're not happy with your circumstances now, believe me, you're never, because you know what? You're never going to have perfect circumstances. Will having more make me more happy? No, it will not. So it's better to have less with peace of mind than to be busy all the time. Another key, by the way, to stopping the, the constant push is to stop comparing yourself. Because every time you compare yourself to somebody else, you become discontent. Comparing and contentment are mortal enemies of each other. You look around and say, well, look what they got. Look what they're doing. Look what that guy's doing. And you look at people in your own profession, of course. You say, well, look what they've achieved. And, on a, and comparing ruins contentment. On the other hand, when you're content, you don't compare. Proverbs 14.30. Let's read this verse aloud together. A relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. Jealousy rots it away. Circle the word relaxed and circle the word jealousy. Because you cannot be relaxed and jealous at the same time. You cannot be relaxed and envious. You cannot be relaxed and being in a comparing mode, a competitive comparing mode at the same time. You have to stop the constant push for more. Tom's going to talk about the next one. The second thing you need to do to slow down, I need to do to slow down, is learn to say no. You already knew that one. Learn to say no. That is a $10,000 time management seminar in two letters, N-O, that ability to say no. You, you remember, remember the anti-drug motto, just say no. A lot of us are addicted to speed, not the drug, the lifestyle. We're addicted to the adrenaline that it produces. We're addicted to the lifestyle of going faster and faster and how important it makes us feel. And we have to learn in our lives to, to just say no. It's also difficult for many of us to say no to others. How many of you have a hard time saying no to the requests that others bring to you? Sure. Many, many of us have a great difficulty with that. And the number one reason our lives get overloaded is we just say yes too many times to too many people. People that we love, to things that are important. But pretty soon, once again, our schedules are overburdened. We're living this verse from Proverbs chapter 20, verse 25. An impulsive vow is a trap. Later, you wish you could get out of it. Ever live that one? Why did I say yes to that? Why am I doing this? Why am I, why am I caught up in this? And so, don't promise without pondering. And so, don't decide without deliberating. Carefully and prayerfully make your commitments. And remember this, 
It's always easier to get in than it is to get out. Would you agree with that? It's always easier to get into debt than it is to get out of debt. It is always easier to get into a relationship than to get out of a relationship. It's always easier to get into trouble than to get out of trouble. It's always, it's always easier to gain weight than, well, let's not talk about that one, but it's always easier. It's always easier to fill up your schedule than it is to empty your schedule. And so we all have to decide that just because I could do it doesn't mean I should do it. Just because I could do that doesn't mean I should do that. There are times when I have to just, just say no. One of the reasons I have, and maybe you have, a difficult time saying no is we don't admit to ourselves that we have limits. We think we can just keep adding things to our lives. When the truth is, our lives are already full. So if you're going to add anything else to your life, something, something's going to have to go. You're going to have to say no to something somewhere. You ever, you ever walk into the grocery store and you walk back by the baskets and say, I don't need one of those, and just walk on in to shop? And pretty soon your arms are filled with things and you're trying to put one more thing on top of something else? It's a parable of our lives where we're trying to make it through and we're limited. We can't get another basket. We've got limits. There's only so much we can carry. If you're going to pick something else up, you're going to have to set something down. And your lives, my life, we're, they're filled with good things. Good things. I'm not talking about setting down bad things. Good things are going to have to be said no to in order to slow down in life. I would guess that every one of us in this room at one time or another has made a to-do list. How many of you made, have made at one time or another in your life a don't-do list? Have you ever made one of those? Don't do this and don't do this. Or maybe better yet, make a what matters most list. Because how, how often does something like give my kids a hug today show up on your to-do list, which may be the most important thing to do that day. But it doesn't, it doesn't show up on the list. When we're faced with a choice, an activity, the question we have to ask ourselves, I've got to ask myself is, is it worth it? If I'm going to do this, is it worth it? Is it worth my time? Is it worth my energy? Is it worth, really what I'm given to that is, is it worth my life? One of the things you could do in learning to say no is to consider an activity diet. You know what an, uh, a regular diet is. You know, you limit your intake of food. In an activity diet, you intentionally limit your intake of activities. And so there are several things you could do. For one thing, you could try taking off your watch for a full 24 hours. What would that do? Could you live without your watch for one day and just put it away on a day off, say, I'm not going to look at my watch? And then do intentional things that cause you to slow down. You got to go to the grocery store, park the furthest distance away in the parking lot and walk in real slowly. And then after you get all your groceries, choose the longest line. Yeah, yeah, you know, just choose the longest line just to slow down. And, and you know, you look around and be real self-righteous and go, look at all these people in a hurry. And, you're sitting there, stop and smell the roses, read the National Enquirer, you know, just <laughs> take it easy, chill out. Try an activity diet. Try an intentional slowing down of your life. Now, the O in slow stands for obey the fourth commandment. Obey the fourth commandment. Now, this book, God's Word, the Bible, is filled with principles for life. It's filled with insights. It's filled with commands that God expects you to do. 
And this is the owner's manual for life. You obey it, your life gets blessed. It's balanced, it's healthy, it's enjoyable. You ignore the owner's manual, you do it to your own detriment. You're only hurting yourself. When God puts a command in the Bible, he doesn't do it capriciously. He doesn't do it because he wants to make your life miserable or a bummer or limit your fun. God puts a principle in the Bible because he knows it's the best thing for you. It'll make you happy if you do it. It'll save you a lot of heartache, save you a lot of problems. And so when you follow the owner's manual, you follow the commands, then life is a whole lot easier. It's a whole lot less stressful. When you go against the flow, the way you were wired, the way you are made, you're headed for trouble. Now, of course, of all the commands in the Bible, the most famous are God's Big Ten, the top ten on God's list, the Ten Commandments. And one of the top ten of God's top ten commandments of ones you're supposed to obey is about rest. It's in Exodus chapter 20, verses 9 and 10. Let's read it together. You have six days in which to do your work, but the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to me. Now get this. Rest in your life as a human being is so important, God put it in the Big Ten. Right up there with don't steal, don't murder, and don't commit adultery, he says every seven days you take a day off. What? Yeah, that's how important he considers rest. Now many of you would say, well, I'd never murder anybody. I'd never go commit adultery. I'd never have an affair. But you violate the fourth commandment repeatedly. And God says, it's just as important. It's in the top ten. Six days you're to work. Every week you take one day off a week to recharge. Now this is called a Sabbath. Sabbath simply means a day of rest. You've heard about professors taking a sabbatical. That means an extended period of rest. When should you take your Sabbath? Jesus said it didn't matter. The book in Colossians, the Bible, it says it doesn't matter. One day is as good as any other. So it, 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 what matters is that you take one off every week. Now listen, Sunday is no Sabbath for me. For that matter, neither is Saturday. Those are work days for me. So I have to take my Sabbath some other day of the week. And you may too. But for most of you, either Saturday or Sunday is going to be your day off, your day of rest. And God says, you are to take it. And he commands you to do it. Now, what are you supposed to do on your Sabbath? What should you do on your weekly day off? Well, you know what we usually do? We play catch up with all the work we didn't get done. And we got our honey-do list. And, you know, and do this, do that, do this, do that. And we got our thing, all our errands to catch up on. And, and what you're doing on your day off is trying to cram more work in that you didn't get done, answering emails and letters and stuff on your day off. Ah, wrong answer. That is not taken, that is violating the spirit of one of the Ten Commandments. You should use your day off, your weekly Sabbath, for three things. Write these down. Number one, God wants you on your Sabbath to rest your body. Physical rest. You were not wired to go 24-7. Every day, work, 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 with no, no relaxation, with no break. Your brain, your body is not built for that. You're wired to take a weekly day off, so you rest your body. Have you discovered that if you don't take time off, your body will make time off? Have you figured that one out? 
It'll just shut down because our best requires rest. Did you know that during the French Revolution in France, of course, that's where the French Revolution would be. I mean, you wouldn't have the French Revolution in New Guinea, would you? Uh, in the French Revolution, they actually outlawed Sunday as a day of rest because they wanted people to work. And a few years later, they had to reinstate it in the nation of France because the health of the nation had totally collapsed. So they had to reinstitute Sunday as a day of rest. You need to rest your body on your Sabbath, on your weekly day off. Number two, you use the day to recharge your emotions. Recharge your emotions. As Tom said earlier, you can't keep charging without recharging. You're just going to drain that battery dead. Now, you need to know what recharges your emotions. Quietness recharges emotions. Solitude recharges emotions. I, I wonder when was the last time you actually were by yourself without the radio or TV on in total silence. Just sitting still. Um, being with people you love is, is a recharging emotionally. Uh, relationships that are encouraging and strengthening, you ought to do that on your Sabbath. Be, get with people who, who recharge you. A recreation that is rejuvenating is a good thing to do on your Sabbath, on your, your day off. Now, recreation, you know, people are doing that today. They're out wrecking creation. And <laughs> I want to suggest that you not use a competitive sport for your Sabbath recreation. Because you are, most of you are so hyper-competitive, you get out there, you're going to beat your brains out to win. And, you know, if, if you, know, you don't sink that putt in two shots, you know, you just throw the clubs up or, you know, you're, you know, you're upset because if you're in a race and you, you didn't come in first, you know, you compete all during the week. We live in a very competitive society. So you need to do something when you're relaxing that is non-competitive. Does that make sense? Because you're not really relaxing if you're still in the same mode you are all week of, I got to do the best. I got to be the best. I got to be the best I can be at this. If you have to be the best at it, it's not relaxing. So you need to recharge your emotions. And by the way, some of you say, well, Rick, I feel guilty when I relax. Well, Jesus didn't. And he's a pretty good model. I feel guilty. Well, just don't worry about it. Number three, rest my body, recharge my emotions. Number three, on your Sabbath, you need to refocus. I refocus my spirit. I do a little spiritual tune-up. Refocus my spirit. Now, there's a word for that in the Bible. It's called worship. Worship is just another word for refocusing my spirit on God. It's reconnecting to God. And you need to do that. This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. If you've missed any part of this message, or if you'd like to find out more about Pastor Rick Warren and this ministry, just visit PastorRick.com, where you can listen online anytime. That's Pastor Rick with two R's in the middle, dot com. And be sure to sign up for Rick's free daily email devotional while you're there. Rick will be back to close out our time today, but first... It doesn't matter how much you work out or how healthy you eat. If you're not feeding and exercising your spirit, you're going to feel run down and tired. You'll run out of gas. 
You've got to do more than just take care of your body. You've got to energize your spirit. And the best way to do this is with God's Word. That's why Pastor Rick created a Bible study called Re-Energize Your Life. In it, you'll discover how to re-energize your life the way God intended. Step by step, you'll begin a journey of restoration and renewal. You'll benefit from biblical wisdom and learn how to apply it to your life in practical ways. You'll learn how to let Jesus lighten your load and discover the key to a balanced life. Not only will you learn how to relieve stress, Pastor Rick will show you how to discover your purpose and build margin into your schedule. This high-quality, soft-touch, vegan leather book is a user-friendly, interactive powerhouse. Its eye-pleasing, colorful pages are packed full of key scriptures and Bible teachings that will dramatically impact your spiritual life forever. Don't settle for a bland existence. Re-energize your life now with this guided experience Bible study from Pastor Rick Warren. Today, when you send a gift to Daily Hope to help take the hope of Jesus to a lost world, we'll send you Re-Energize Your Life to Say Thanks. Go to PastorRick.com right now to get this great resource. That's PastorRick.com. Or you can text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. That's the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. Thanks so much for your support. Here's Pastor Rick with a letter from one of our listeners. I love to end our broadcast by reading letters from people like you. Here's one from Melissa who lives in Columbia. Pastor Rick, I just want to say thanks to you and thanks to God for helping me understand the Bible and for helping bring so many souls to Jesus Christ. I've been blessed because you put your messages online for free. And because of that free ministry, I have access to the truth. I cannot thank you enough. She says, I want to help. And I want to give what God commands to give me to give so that his message can reach the entire world. Thank you, Melissa for Columbia. Well, Melissa, thank you. Thank you for your encouragement, and thank you for your financial gift, and thank you for caring about people who haven't heard the good news. You see, when we work together, we're able to do things we cannot do on our own. Together, we reach people that would never be reached any other way. And when you get to heaven, we're going to celebrate all the souls that have come to know Jesus Christ. So thank you for listening, thank you for supporting, and thank you for praying. And I want to say the same thing to all of the rest of you who are doing that too. God bless you, and join me next time as we continue to look into God's Word for our daily hope. Now, if you'd like to let Rick know how this broadcast has blessed you, feel free to send him an email at rick at pastorrick.com. That's rick at pastorrick.com. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.